This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore with The Breakfast Wrap for the 8th of February. For today, a mix of sun and cloud, 30% chance of flurries in the morning and clearing in the afternoon with a high of 7. Tomorrow, we get rain early in the morning, risk of freezing rain over northern sections in the morning, a high of 7 on Thursday. The five things you need to know. The feds present the premiers a deal to fund health care. Not all are happy. Toronto City Council to look for more ways to increase revenue. Bankruptcy soaring since the ending of the pandemic aid. Biden alarms Canadian businesses by urging to buy American. And Ontario Lothario scams more than 100 women out of thousands of dollars. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, Jerry Agar in for John Moore. He's on vacation. Oh, by the way, update. He got his luggage. And he also, did he not say, Joe, that he had his best day of golf ever? Yeah, but when the bar is set that low, does it really matter? Oh, I've golfed with him. I know what you're talking about. And by the way, I'm not being critical. <laughs> My is golf it, game is gone. He had a great golf game is it because he had no pants on because he couldn't yes, find them. That's right. That way you could add up to 21. Okay, so um, I wanted what I've been doing here this week. Giving yourself a challenge of having to come up with a joke every morning is fine if you're filling in for five days. I wouldn't do this every day, um, like on my own show, but I decided it's five in the morning. Why not try and start with a smile at least? So I've I've been telling a joke, and and each one of them is going to start, I think, with a man walks into a bar. That's another bar I set for myself. Um, this one won't take long. This is a quickie, Nikki. Okay, uh, this one is man walks into a bar, and there's a horse behind the bar serving, and the horse is making great drinks. It's pulling beer. It's making cocktails. Horse is uh, having conversation with the customers, and the guy's just sitting there staring at the horse. And the horse notices this and comes over and says, what? You think a horse can't tend bar? And the guy says, no, I'm just surprised the ferret sold the place. All right. So the big story. Well, hold on. So while the same horse walked into a bar after he was done his shift. Yeah. Walk up to the bar bartender and says, why the long face? (laughs) You didn't play your own rim shot. (laughs) Joe, you got one? No, Joe doesn't have one. Okay. So the most important story yesterday, I think, uh, story of the day, was this meeting between the provinces and the feds and the money coming to the various provinces. There's a lot involved in that. We'll get more expertise on it throughout the course of the morning. But Glenn McGregor did this report last night for CTV. The Premier showed optimism arriving for their long-awaited meeting with the Prime Minister. How are you feeling going into the talks? Very well. Among them, Alberta's Premier shaking hands with Justin Trudeau for the first time awkwardly. But after a few hours in a boardroom, they emerged disappointed. It's significantly less than what we were looking for. This proposal is fiscally limited, but I think that uh, it provides a foundation. What we see this as is a, is a starting point. It's a, it's a down payment on, on further discussions. The offer Trudeau tabled, $46.2 billion of new money for health care over 10 years an average of $4.6 billion per year, a small fraction of the $28 billion some premiers hope for. Included in the deal, a $2 billion one-time bump to the Canada health transfer Ottawa sends to the provinces each year. 
and a change to the minimum annual increase of the transfer from 3% to 5% worth $17.3 billion over the next decade. And an additional $25 billion over the same period tailored for each province for improving family care and mental health, retaining health care workers and upgrading electronic medical records. A condition for most of the new money, the provinces will have to share data showing it resulted in improved care. But no requirement, as health worker unions and the NDP demanded, to stop private-for-profit delivery of care. It's going to cannibalize the public sector workers and it'll make things even harder for people in emergency rooms. Visiting a hospital stage for a press conference, Trudeau defended his pitch to fix a health system he admits isn't working. It's not just about money needed to improve our health care systems. We need better outcomes. As expected, the premiers are leaving Ottawa without agreeing to a deal. They say they plan to meet again without the Prime Minister, possibly within a few days, to discuss how to respond. That's Glenn McGregor from CTV. Jerry Agar in for John Moore today. We're at two degrees today and expecting to get up to about four, but starting on the plus side this morning. I'm a big fan of Airbnb. I, I certainly wasn't an early adopter. I used to think, well, I'd go and stay in somebody's house. Like that, that just seemed weird. And then uh, people that I like and respect started telling me about these great vacations they had and staying in Airbnb. And now I have used Airbnb, Airbnb quite a number of times. It's fabulous to go. Well, we did it uh, two Christmases ago, went to Florida and we rented a house and it wasn't that far from the beach. And it's just, you had the whole house. It was, it was really great. I bring this up, not because I'm selling you on Airbnb. This is not a commercial. Okay. In fact, the opposite, I'm a little concerned about some Airbnb stories that I've seen over the last couple of days. You might've seen this one on Instagram the last day or so. A visiting York University professor's family of five was issued an eviction notice midway through a 10-month stay at an Airbnb in Toronto. This was a, a situation where a professor gets a contract for a period of time to come to Canada and work, and they're probably going to go back. And so they're not buying a house. They're not, uh, they, they made a long-term deal with Airbnb. And they got partway through the deal, and all of a sudden the Airbnb owner is trying to pull back and kick them out saying he's going to go live there or something. So very unfortunate situation now, these people needing short-term housing. And then the other one, which I just learned about this morning, involves a, a commentator and writer and filmmaker named Lauren Southern. She's very conservative, but and, and I'm sure this ties into it, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. Airbnb refused Lauren Southern's parents because they have some sort of policy, they said, about you know, controversial people or something like that. But Eric, uh, Lauren Southern's parents are not Lauren Southern. People connected. How, how, how far do they want to take that? Just the family? If you follow Lauren Southern on social media, are you connected to her? Because she has almost half a million followers. And my favorite response to this online that I saw this morning was someone who said, I don't know who this woman is, and I don't care. This is just wrong. And, and I, yes. It shouldn't, whatever her politics are, and then they are very conservative, why should that matter? regarding her parents 
if she wants to get into a fight with Airbnb or some Airbnb owner says, oh, I know who this is and I don't want her in my house. Well, I guess that's fair enough. <laughs> but this is a ridiculous policy and it's very disappointing. We'll get various um, people with expertise following up on the healthcare deal yesterday. And later on, on one of the panels, Mark Warner is going to be on, and I'm interested in talking to him about yesterday's announcement during the State of the Union address by Biden. They're ramping up by America. Is that scary for Canadian business people? You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, Jerry Agar in for John Moore. He'll be back on Monday. So one of the things that has been kind of interesting for me over the last number of days, especially as we got a new leader for the NDP, is how do you properly pronounce her name? And I've done it several ways, and I've always been told I'm wrong. And I went to her Twitter account, and I looked at how she has it on there phonetically. The problem is... She didn't do a good job of that. You can you can interpret the first syllable of her first name several different ways, I think, in the way she spelled it on Twitter. So yesterday she appeared on my show, which is regularly 9 to noon on News Talk 1010, with John Tory Jr. and Deb Hutton. And they cleared it up. As we kick off the interview, I'm going to ask uh, the first question is, as we introduce you as the leader now to our listeners and to the world, if you, I just want to make sure, am I saying it right, Marit Stiles? Yeah, you are. Yep, that's right. Okay, so it's Marit. Marit. Marit Stiles. Marit. Yeah, you are. Yep, that's right. So Ms. Stiles is the new... <laughs> Marit Stiles. <laughs> the new leader of the NDP. Yesterday, Globe and Mail is writing about this. Yesterday, um, Joe Biden, in his State of the Union address, sent a little bit of a shiver to the business community of Canada uh, by ramping up by America. This is how the Globe and Mail writes it. U.S. President Joe Biden promised to further tighten Buy American rules as he sought to rally a bipartisan voting coalition in Congress. This move is certain to renew worries among Canadian companies of being further disadvantaged in the massive U.S. procurement market. Um, one of the things that the president talked about was he said he lamented that past administrations of both parties have fought to get around by American requirements. Not anymore, he said. The president named lumber. Isn't that a big deal to Canada? Lumber, glass, drywall, fiber optic cable, as well as materials used in roads and bridges as some of the things that would now have to be made in the USA. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and interesting through the course of this morning to talk to people, for instance, Mark Warner, international trade lawyer, uh, who will join us on, is it round one at 745? Yes, that uh, if you can be with us then to see what his expertise is on this. But uh, unfortunately, Canadian businesses are a little nervous right now. State and local contracts which are often funded with federal money, are exempt from the World Trade Organization rules, which could cause headaches for Canada. Canadian companies supplied the U.S. market uh, have also previously fretted about a chilling effect with American businesses steering clear of all foreign suppliers just to be safe. And when we do these projects, 
Now, again, I get criticized for this, but I make no excuses for it. We're going to buy American. We're going to buy American. Folks. And it's totally, it's totally consistent with international trade rules. Buy America has been the law since 1933. But for too long, past administrations, Democrat and Republican, have fought to get around it. Not anymore. Tonight, I'm announcing new standards require all construction materials used in federal infrastructure projects to be made in America. All right. Um, Well, there are people who dislike free trade. I hear from Canadians who dislike free trade. All right. Well, you're going to have to start buying Canadian two by fours (laughs) at a greater rate, perhaps, because uh, maybe Americans won't be buying them. So that's I I think the most consequential thing uh, to come out of the State of the Union address, at least as far as we're concerned, because the rest of it is uh, is their issue. I want to take on something really quickly here uh, because the anti-vax people are back with uh, yet another set of hysterics. And it is uh, people. Have you noticed that their fertility rate dropped ever since we started vaccinating people? Okay, this is a correlation causation thing. Yes, the fertility rate is going down, not just in Canada, but in many other countries as well. So I thought, well, that's interesting. What are the what are the real numbers on that? Instead of, you know, taking a tweet and reacting to it, which too many people do. What's the story behind the story? So I looked it up. Um, StatCan is one of the places I went and they say, yes, the fertility rate is going down in Canada. But it's been going down since 2008, not just because of COVID and vaccination. And yes, it dropped because of COVID, because people make decisions during uh, times of stress. Maybe this isn't a good time to have a child. Maybe this, maybe we don't want to be in a hospital with a brand new baby while there's a pandemic raging around us. So if you hear this thing, there's the truth behind it. Yes, the fertility rate is going down. Um, it has been since 2008, and it's because people are making choices. And this is, by the way, why we need immigrants. Because you young people aren't having enough babies. (laughs) It's too late for me. I'm waiting for grandchildren. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I'm Jerry Agar in here for John Moore, who's on vacation. Good to have you along. I think it was a a real important conversation that took place yesterday on what is regularly my show, 9 to Noon. John Torrey Jr. and Deb Hutton were filling in for me, and they talked to the new leader of the provincial NDP, who have—they've got a lot more chance right now to form a government going forward than they might have had over the last number of elections, simply because, I mean, the, the, the liberals are devastated. Like, I, either the liberals are going to have to make a, a big comeback, or at some point when there's a change of government, and there always is, when people run out of steam with Doug Ford and the conservatives, and they always do— I don't mean just the conservatives. I mean, that's just how it goes. It's not a one-party province. Uh, when that happens, it, maybe the NDP have a chance to form government. So it's important to know what their plans, more important to know what their plans are than it was under Henry Horvath when, regardless whether you liked it or you didn't, they apparently never had a chance. So the first thing was, 
How do we pronounce her name? Can we start with that? As we kick off the interview, I'm going to ask a, the first question is, as we introduce you as the leader now to our listeners and to the world, mm-hmm. if you, I just want to make sure, am I saying it right, Marit Stiles? <laughs> yeah, you are. Yep, that's right. Marit Stiles is her name. What will she focus on should she be elected Premier of Ontario? I'm inviting all Ontarians, everyone out there who believes in building a better province, a better Ontario, uh, one where working people can get ahead to to join us. Uh, And I think we can win more for people. And that means fixing health care instead of selling it off. It means building homes you can actually afford without paving over wetlands. And it means a fairer economy with more good jobs and more opportunities. Okay, that doesn't sound very different than what uh, NDP politicians will normally say. She says that she can help create jobs. We know that we have to do more to rebuild the auto sector, that we need to be thinking about the future here. But I also want to talk about you know, areas where we are seeing a real human resource crisis, like in healthcare, like in education. You know, our, our crisis that we're facing right now in healthcare is a human resource crisis. Um, I want a national uh, plan uh, to, to recruit and retain more healthcare workers. But I think the real key to all of that is we have to be willing to pay people a decent wage. Uh, we are letting people fall farther and farther behind in positions where we really desperately need them. Uh, that's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt our economy in the end. And we shouldn't have a government that's fighting in the courts to keep those wages down. Okay, so that's Merit Stiles. She's the new leader of the NDP in Ontario, and uh, she was pressed again on health care. And I'm going to play you a couple of uh, clips here from her. Why is she against for-profit health care delivery? But what we really do need to focus on, to be completely clear, is the for-profit side of potentially that slide into for-profit health care. Because that is where, to me, the real cutoff is, right? I, I really believe, and I think Ontarians and Canadians believe this too, uh, that the that every public health care dollar really needs to be going to patient care. And so anything that's sliding off into uh, shareholder or corporate profits, which is the nature of for-profit delivery, um, is, is a problem. Okay. Well, uh, okay. I see why she's NDP. I mean, economics is not their strongest point. For-profit doesn't mean more expensive. It doesn't automatically mean more expensive. If anybody solidly proved that, it had to be Sam uh, Walton and Walmart. Cheaper, cheaper, cheaper prices for consumers. And yet, in the end, enormous profit for Walmart. That's a, that's a win-win situation. If anybody thinks that uh, private operators can't beat out government in terms of how much money gets spent on something, I mean, well, then you belong to the NBP. Here's, here's more from Marit Stiles on that. I think there's a difference between um, uh, a not-for-profit uh, uh, diagnostic clinic, for example, or a not-for-profit long-term care facility. Uh, and, and we've seen the results in long-term care where uh, for-profit long-term care facilities Facilities, you know, definitely did not fare as well. People in them certainly did not fare as well during the pandemic, and we know why. So I think that is really the cutoff point for me in particular. Okay, we do know why, and uh, it wasn't necessarily simply because it was for profit, but there's a lot more complicated uh, 
information that we would need to go into in order to have that conversation. We've had it before on the radio, but I don't have uh, time for it here this morning. I just, to me, yes, there's a new leader with the NDP, but meet the same, the new boss, same as the old boss. That's what it seems like to me. How more than 100 women realized they may have dated and been deceived by the same guy? Okay, two things about this guy. Over, it could be as many as 150 women that he scammed. He used various different names that were somewhat like his real name. Called himself Johnny Myers, John Myers, John Boulder, John Molders. Um, and women now are connecting with one another, apparently, over social media, saying, hey, I dated that guy. He got one woman to invest in a business he said he owned. He didn't own it. One of the other women owned it. And she gave him $60,000. Uh, now getting that money back is probably not going to happen. A CTV did a great report on this. Multiple bench warrants have been issued for this guy, and he tends not to show up. I, I don't know how somebody manages to balance two women. Or two men, if a woman is running the, the scam. But 150? How do you keep your story straight? You couldn't possibly get This must be the most organized criminal in Canada, uh, this guy. But he's a, a criminal and a cad, no doubt. Uh, hey, the mayor's going to join us coming up. Um, mayor in the morning at 635, the mayor of Toronto, John Tory on News Talk 1010. That's the breakfast wrap for February 8th. I'm Jerry Agar. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.